I want to welcome you into the Sunday Preaching Podcast of the Point Church, located in beautiful Perdido Key, Florida. I'm Tim Coleman, the senior pastor, and we believe strongly in the expositional preaching of God's Word that builds our faith and grows us up in Christ. I'm glad you're either downloading the sermon or listening live to our service, and I pray that this message is a help to you on your journey of faith. Now join me as we get to the point. Grab your Bible. Would you do that? And go with me to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. Now, I'm going to tell you what's really neat. One year ago today, I stood in this pulpit, and I preached from Galatians chapter 5. And I asked how many remember that, and nobody raised their hand until I said, how many remember my freedom sweatshirt that my mama got on to me for wearing to church on Sunday, Right. Uh, I wore my freedom, I think it's the army type shirt, but uh, anyhow, I preached from Galatians chapter 5. We finished up chapter 4 just before Thanksgiving, and so now we're going to get back into Galatians and uh, finish up the book. If you're a guest today, we are a Bible church. Uh, We have a strong belief in the authoritative preaching of the Scriptures, that that church, when we gather, there needs to be meat from the Word that feeds our soul, and then it challenges us, and then it sends us out to be uh, the missionaries that uh, we are supposed to be, to, to truly be salt and light to a lost world. And so we finished up chapter 4, and now for the next uh, a couple of weeks, we're going to finish up the rest of the book, and we're back in chapter 5. Now, I'm going to tell you, this chapter excites me, and it means a lot to me. Because part of my testimony is knowing what it's like to be around legalism, to be around man-made rules and man-made regulations, to know what it means to be free in Christ, to understand freedom. That's the subject here in these verses today. We're in this series, Stay in the Grace of Jesus. How many of you remember that? We were in that. Stay in the grace of Jesus. Will you say that with me? Stay stay in the grace of Jesus. And today I've entitled the message, Grace Brings Freedom. Grace Brings Freedom. We're in a world today where the culture is saying, follow your flesh and that's how you find true freedom. Your flesh equals freedom. You hear things like, be true to yourself. Follow your heart. Uh, Don't deny yourself of anything that you may want. Dream big dreams and then follow those dreams. You hear people say, make yourself happy. Whatever makes you happy, you ought to do it. The problem is, culture says, do this without being questioned. No one can question who you are or what you're doing. Live your life without moral restraints. Not only is this culture or this mindset out in the world, but unfortunately, it creeps into the church. John Stott said, the contemporary situation in the world and in the church today is that we have a fashionable new morality and the modern rejection of authority. Some people think that freedom equals nobody telling me what to do. No restraints, no boundaries, no authority speaking into my life. And I think unless you have your head in the sand, 
you know that right now the culture has this antagonistic freedom that is being peddled. It's antagonistic toward God. It's antagonistic toward the Scriptures. I love what Charles Kingsley said. He said there are two freedoms. The false, where a man is free to do what he likes, and there's the true, where a man is free to do what he ought. When a man does what he likes, it doesn't lead to true freedom. Our flesh does not lead us to freedom, but our flesh leads us to bondage. Your flesh will lead you into slavery and bondage that you feel like you can't get out of. And so today we're going to look at this important matter of freedom, and I want you to see Peter Taylor Forsyth, what he said about freedom. He said, the purpose of your life is not to find your freedom, but it's to find your master. It's to find your master. And for us as Christians, we could actually capitalize the word master because Jesus Christ is our master. He's our Lord and he's our Savior. Matthew 28 says, Jesus told his disciples, I have all authority. I'm ruling, I'm reigning. And if he's ruling and reigning, that means he is our master. The truth is, there are a lot of masters in this world. Some people are controlled by other people. Some people are controlled by their job or their profession or their career. Some people are controlled by money. Other people are controlled by chemical issues and chemical dependencies. The only true master that every person needs is a capital M, and that's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Which leads me into the text. Can we get into it just real quick? And I remind you before I read chapter 5 and verse number 1, Jesus in his earthly ministry said this, there are only two masters. You cannot serve God and serve man. You either love the one and hate the other. You're going to serve somebody. So the question today is, who are you serving? Look in chapter 5 and verse number 1 on this important matter of freedom. I want you to see that true freedom is in Christ alone. Paul writes, for freedom, or in order to have freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Notice that phrase, Christ has set us free. If you're a Christian, there was a moment in your life, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, where you repented of your sins and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, and in that moment, Christ set you free in the past tense. How many of you remember where you were or what was going on when you repented of your sins and believed on Christ? Wave at me. I've never met anybody that says, I regret that, or I wish that had never happened. No, It's a wonderful thing to know Christ as your Lord and Savior. And so there's a sense in which Christ set you free, and there's also a sense in which Christ is setting us free on an ongoing basis. And I'll say more about that in just a minute. But here in chapter 5, verse 1, Paul is speaking in the past tense of the accomplished, completed work of Christ in our life when he set us free. What are we free from? We are free from the penalty and the bondage of sin. If you're a Christian today, that penalty no longer rests upon you. 
which is separated from God for all eternity. Thank God for that. There also is this essence in which we are free from bondage to sin. Now look at me. If you're, if you're a Christian today, you've been born again, and you know Christ lives in you and through you, but you're struggling with a particular sin, or you find yourself on the hamster wheel of sin, God sent you here today for me to remind you that he made a way for you to get off that hamster wheel. You don't have to live in that bondage. He can deliver you. There are people all across this room that have a testimony today of how God delivered them from bondage. He made a way. You don't have to live that way. Christ came to set us free. How about this? We were set free from hell. I was speaking with someone this week, uh, and they just reminded me, or I reminded them in our conversation that you don't hear much preaching these days about hell. Hell is a real, literal place. It's not a figment of your imagination. Please hear me, in this culture today, and even in some theological circles, there are some who are trying to peddle that hell is your circumstances. Hell is what you're going through, your hard times or your difficult times. No, hell is a real, literal place. It is a lake of fire where those who reject God will spend all eternity. And let me add to that, the worst part of hell is not that it is a lake of fire. The worst part is going to be that you'll be separated from God for all eternity. It's going to be the worst part. But get this, get this. If you're a Christian today, you've been born again, you don't have to worry about hell. Y'all sound real excited about it. Calm down. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Condemnation does not even exist for me because I am in Christ. And so I'm set free from hell. How about this? I've been set free from religion. And there are a lot of people that are engaged in pomp and circumstance, going through the motions, doing religious activity, thinking that, that they are obtaining and gaining the favor of God. I'll never forget years ago, we used to have uh, a sign out here that was interchangeable, you know, it had letters. What a pain in the neck that was. Because you always had to come up with something to say, and we all know that some of the dumbest things ever said are on church signs, right? I think I said that a few weeks ago. But uh, I was putting things up there. One time I put up there that, that uh, Christianity is not a religion, it's a relationship. And the phone rang here at the church, and there was a serviceman that had come from Pensacola out on the island to do some work for somebody, and he was just driving down the road out here, and he saw that, and he wanted to talk to somebody about what that meant. And so they put him through to me in the office, and, and I explained it to him. I was able to share the gospel with him and to tell him that we believe every person needs a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There are a lot of people today that need to be delivered from religion, and they need to find Christ as Lord and Savior. How about this? What else have I been freed from? How many of you in the house of God today would love to testify that the biggest problem you have today in this world is you? I want you to know today my biggest problem is not you. Jack, it's not you. You're a problem, but it's not you, okay? <laughs> My biggest problem today is not the church. My biggest problem is me. I'm my own worst enemy. 
And I love that verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. Sometimes people get hung up about the translation and the wording of it, where the Apostle Paul said, For the word of the cross is folly, it's foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. I love that verse because there's a sense in which you get saved. For me, it was 13 years old, okay? When I understood the cross, I understood sin, I understood repentance, and I was born again by God's grace. But there is a sense moving forward, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. We do not believe in repeated regeneration. Please hear me. We don't believe that you get saved five, six, seven, eight, ten times. We believe there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism. So once you're saved, that word means to be delivered or to be rescued Moving forward in your Christian life, you don't need to be born again, but you need to be delivered. You need to be delivered from your sin. You need to be rescued from yourself. And that's what we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, what are we not freed from? We are not freed from our flesh and our sinful desires. Anybody feel like you've recently been in a boxing match? Come on now. You may woke up lately and just felt like you wrestled a tiger all night. Anybody in your walk, the world, the culture, you, your decisions, you're trying to stay focused on Christ, you do dumb things, you're disobedient, you're rebellious, you sin, and then there's all these people around you that get on your nerves and you just, you just feel like you're in a boxing match all the time, right? You're constantly battling your flesh. We are not freed from our flesh and our sinful desires. We're not free from temptation. This world is pulling at us, right? Flashing lights, do this, go this direction, get involved in this. Temptation is something we'll have to battle until Christ returns. We are not free from deception. I'll show you this in the text in just a minute. We are not free from being deceived. We are not free from potential apostasy, turning away from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. We are blessed today that we know what grace means. We know that Christ came to us in the unmerited favor of God. We know that Christ died for sinners. We know the free gift of salvation. The question is, have we applied have we applied the free grace and the work of Christ to our lives? Have you been set free? Wayne Cordero is a pastor, pastored in Hawaii for, for many years. Was he your pastor for? You know who he is. So he was pastoring along and had so much going on and so forth, and he just quite honestly burned out and crashed. I was able to sit in the room with him one time as he told his story. I mean, he like checked out, went to La La Land. He was fried. And um, he ended up in this remote place, you know, to get well and get himself together. And he said, man, it's an awful thing to be out in the middle of nowhere and you need a cup of coffee and you can't get it, right? And so he came back and, and restored back to health and back to pastoring. God did a wonderful work in his life. And so that led him to write a book entitled Leading on Empty and how we can just, we're really living in bondage. We can even be uh, in pastoral ministry of serving people and preaching and so forth, and you're not living in freedom, you're really living in bondage. And he, and he made a quote in that book that 
that I think kind of fits in the sermon right here. He said, knowing the remedy doesn't necessarily complete the healing. The difference comes when we apply it. So you can know the remedy. You can know the remedy for sin. You can know the remedy for bondage. You can know what it is, but still live in it because you don't apply it. On Christmas Eve, we talked about Jesus being our wonderful counselor. He gives perfect advice. He gives perfect direction in life. And I said in that sermon, there's some people that go to counseling over and over and over and over and over and over and over, and then they don't apply what they hear. It doesn't do any good unless you apply it. The way change comes is by application. And that is true for people that go to church. Oh, how many people go to church week by week by week and hear the message or hear the word, and then we don't apply it. Hey, let's not be those people in 2023, amen? Let's take this and apply it. And let's stick with the fact that the only way a person is truly set free in their life, it is not by taking communion, it is not by joining the church, it is not by being religious, it is by Christ setting us free. It is a work of Christ. What do we need to do with that? I'm glad you asked. Paul said, Christ has made us free. Now what? Stay in the grace of Jesus. He says, look at verse number one, stand firm. Stand firm. And don't submit again to another yoke of slavery. Now I want you to see that word, those two words, stand firm. How many of you with your kids or your grandkids have recently said, stand still? Would you just don't move? Would you just stand still? No, don't move. Stand still. In the Greek language, that is exactly what Paul is saying to the Christians in Galatia. When you're standing still, you're going to have temptation to move. When you're standing still, people are going to try to push you over. Winds are going to blow. Hold your ground. Stand still. Don't submit again to another yoke of slavery. Just stay with grace. Stay with Jesus. Number two, freedom is in Christ alone. But number two, notice in verse number two, Paul wants them to consider the warnings about your feelings on freedom. Now, we're living in a world today where people, we all love to get up in our feels. Well, this is what I feel. This is what I think. If you're not careful, your feels will lead you away from freedom and not to the gospel. Paul says in verse number two, look, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you give in, if you give in and you accept what these Judaizers are trying to force on you, which is not biblical and it's not the gospel, if you accept circumcision, notice the next phrase, Christ will be of no advantage to you. In other words, Christ will be of no benefit. Hear me, church. Anytime anyone tries to tweak, change, adjust, or add to the gospel, it immediately makes Christ of no benefit or advantage. That's why you hear me say often, people talk about expanding the tent. We need a big tent. Let's broaden the tent. Okay. We can broaden the tent but we can't broaden the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's only one Jesus. 
It's the Jesus of the Bible. And Jesus is not interested today in being who you want him to be. He is who he is. He has said what he said. And forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Jesus is not interested today in you remaking him to make a message be more palatable to your friends and family. If you try to change who Jesus is, you are changing the gospel, and he will be of no benefit to those who you get to follow. Paul is saying he will be no, if you let the Judaizers come into the church and say, well, we need to let everybody have their opinion, you will ultimately make Christ of no benefit to you. He testifies again in verse number three, to every man who accepts circumcision, he is obligated to keep the whole law. Very preached on this earlier in the book, but Paul very clearly said, if you want to go the law route, good luck with that. There are about 613 laws. If you break one of them, you've broken them all. Okay, You've got to keep every single one of them. And the reality is there's no human being that can do that. Christ came to fulfill the law. Paul said, if you want to go that route, you have the obligation to keep the law, the whole law. Verse number four, Paul uses some strong language in this section. He said, but you are severed from Christ. That word severed there means abolished. You're wiped out. You're wiped away. You're driven away from Christ. You, who would be justified by the law, you have fallen from grace. Now, let's be very clear. Give me your best ears here for just a minute. Some people read this verse and they read that last line, and they say, oh, this is obviously losing your salvation. And I want to say to you, it is obviously not saying that. Paul says, those of you who try to be justified, to have the right standing before God, which is what every man needs for sinners born into this world at enmity with God— We need that relationship repaired. If you want that to be repaired, you want to be justified by him, then you can't go the works or the law route. You have fallen from grace. I love Dr. Wymel Porter. He was one of my undergrad uh, teachers. Misty remembers him. Uh, Just a sweet man, loved the Lord. He'd get in class, and he'd get excited, you know, teaching the, the general epistles. And he taught us through Galatians. And I'll never forget when he got to this chapter, and he was teaching on this section. And I want to use his illustration. Imagine today, if you will, that this room right now, you are in the sphere of grace. We are a gospel-preaching, gospel-believing church. We believe that we are preaching the gospel the way it is written in the Scripture that we are following God's word and God's plan for what it means for a person to come to true salvation in Christ. If you're here today, you're blessed to be here. Not because of us, but because of Jesus. Say amen right there. There are people all around the world that don't hear the gospel. They don't have a church to go to. They don't have Christians around them. They don't even know who Jesus is. You're blessed today to be in the sphere of grace. As you hear the gospel, as the church at Galatia is preaching and teaching and trying to stand on, these false teachers are coming against it. Paul is saying this, you've heard the gospel, stick with it, 
Stick with it. If you don't and you walk away, those of you who have never been converted or born again, you're going to walk away from the sphere of grace and you're going to fall into the trap of legalism. Legalism is when man tries to produce a work or an act to someone as a way to have the right standing with God. If you don't want to fall from grace and you're a sinner here today, God sent you here for me to tell you, throw yourself on the mercy and the grace of God. Repent of your sins and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Stay with the gospel. Verse number five, for through the Spirit, through the Spirit. I'm going to say more about this in verse number 16, but I need to remind you this morning, there is not a work of salvation apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. There is not a fulfilled, productive, fruitful Christian life apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. For by the Spirit, or through the Spirit, by faith, we as Christians are eagerly waiting for the hope of righteousness. We are looking to the future when Christ is going to come. That is our expectation. And man, is it going to be a glorious day when none of us have to battle our flesh anymore. We know that our eternal salvation is not about our flesh. Look at verse number six. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything. Paul is saying, if you want to go the circumcision route, God bless you. That has nothing to do with your standing before God through Christ. But only faith working through love. So watch this, watch this. When it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we need to keep it tight, and we need to be clear, and we need to be true to our Lord. And we don't need to get up into our feelings, okay? And we certainly don't need to listen to false teachers. As I had one look at me in the face, you've heard me say this before, a pastor in this town looked at me in the face and said that in his theology, he had a pathway to heaven for Islam. I'm not buying that. I don't accept that. I believe if you preach that, you are leading people to be severed from Christ. You are leading people to fall from grace. So don't get up in your fields. Get up in the Scriptures. Number three, notice that Paul says, your freedom should not be taken for granted. It shouldn't be taken for granted. Look at verse number seven. You were running well. You were doing good. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him who calls you. Now, now hear me today. Every single one of us, I said it a minute ago, we are not free from deception. We are not free from theological apostasy. We are not free from walking away from the freedom that we have and maybe even unintentionally placing ourselves under another yoke of slavery, another yoke of bondage. The Judaizers came into a grace-filled gospel-preaching church and began to 
uh, invoke questions, and we'll see in a minute, accusations against the leadership of the church, and, and it, because, uh, it began to cause confusion in the church and an unsettledness in the church. And Paul is saying to them, hey, remember you? What happened to you? You used to be running well. Once again, he uses the analogy of running a race. Imagine you're watching a race on a track and they're running around the track and all of a sudden someone veers off the track and starts running out in the parking lot. They're still running, but they've drifted off the course, right? And that is true sometimes for people in the church. They're moving along, they're heading the right direction, but something happened. We, we begin to be persuaded by false teachers. I'm amazed at people today in the church who say things like, well, you know, they're, they're a little off on that or whatever. They got some good stuff. How many of you know that rat poison is 99% cornmeal and 1% poison? And I don't know about you, but I, don't want, I want a lot of cornmeal in my house. Come on, say amen right there. But I don't want any poison in my home. I don't want any false teaching in my home. I, I don't want my kids to be reading and listening to people who are apostates and heretics just because they got some cool things to say. No, avoid them. There's plenty of scriptures in the Bible. Avoid them. Mark them who cause division. And here in this text, verse number 9, it's important. Paul said that just a little bit, just a little leaven leavens the whole lump. What is leaven in the Bible? It's a type of sin. Here it's a type of corruption for the gospel. You've said it before. One bad apple will ruin the whole barrel. What is our job? Paul said at the end of Acts that shepherds of the church are to watch over the flock of God and make sure that wolves do not come into the church and subvert the teaching of the church. Why is that important? Well, a couple of reasons. Number one, first of all, in James chapter 4, it's very clear that if you teach the Bible, you have a group of people that listen to you and you teach the Bible, you are going to be held to a very high standard of how you teach the Bible. I am responsible and accountable for this message today and what I'm saying to you. How many of you believe I need to work hard to get it right? I don't, I don't need to misrepresent. We got, we got a lot of misrepresentation of God going on today, and it breaks my heart. Sometimes as an as a under-shepherd of the great shepherd, I need to take the, the crooked stick and yank people back over here and get them, out of the, get them out of the mire of bad doctrine and bad theology. So what Paul's doing right here is going, please, a little leaven. Remember, leaven was forbidden during the time of the Passover. Just a little bit of leaven leavens the whole lump. And then I love verse number 10 because he, he, he turns to a positive word. He says, but I have confidence. I have confidence. Where is his confidence? His confidence is not in his leadership. His confidence is not in the elders of the church at Galatia. His confidence is where, church? Where? In the Lord. I have confidence in the Lord that he's going to keep you. We pray it every Sunday, don't we? Lord, bless us and keep us. Make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lord, keep us. Keep us in your grace. Keep us where we need to be. 
I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view. And notice what else he has confidence about. He has confidence that the one who is troubling you, they will bear the penalty, whoever he is. Whoever's teaching the wrong doctrine, they're going to they're gonna give an account. It points back to Galatians chapter 1, verse number 7. Paul says, there are some who are preaching another gospel, but it's really not another gospel because there's only one gospel. And if there's someone who is preaching another gospel, let them be what? Anathema. That word means condemned. It literally means go to hell. It means eternal punishment. I believe with all of my heart that God is going to deal with every false teacher. I believe that. He doesn't smile. He doesn't smile upon those who tamper with his grace. He doesn't, he doesn't smile. It's not cute for the pastor in Texas who's out there saying that we do not believe anymore in the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ. He doesn't smile upon that. Why? Because the Bible says Christ died in our place. He doesn't smile upon those who say the Bible is or it contains the Word of God, but it's not the Word of God. I forgot my scissors this morning. I was going to bring them with me. There are people today in the church, in the church, who just want to take a pair of scissors and just kind of cut out parts of the Bible they don't like. Oh, well, Paul, he's just giving his opinion there. No, Paul was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And every verse and every chapter and every word we have in our Bible is from God. And he chose to use Paul. Well, I'm not reading the book of Psalms, you know, because David, he was a really bad dude. Hey, let me tell you something. You're a bad dude too. And God in his divine providence and plan used a little shepherd boy who was a knucklehead and he sinned in a bad kind of way. But God forgave him and God said about that little shepherd boy, he is a man after my own heart. And he used him to write in the inspired, infallible, and errant word of God. And every person, hear me, church, every person that today wants to attack the word of God and come against it, they are going to receive the judgment of God. We better handle it correctly. We have this freedom. But let me ask you something. What makes me think or you think that we aren't a candidate to drift? We're not a candidate to go away from what we have heard. The writer of Hebrews, look on the screen, said, we must, we must, we must, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard lest we drift away from it. We are candidates to drift. Notice in verse number 11, apparently there was an accusation coming against Paul. You know, Paul was Saul of Tarsus, right? He was a Jew of Jews, a Hebrew of Hebrews, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, and no doubt, top of his class, he went around telling all the men, you need to be circumcised. We know in Acts chapter 9, he's radically changed by God's grace. He's saved. He becomes a, a pastor, church planner, missionary. We have Acts chapter 15, the Jerusalem council comes together, and there's this conversation on circumcision. Is it a part of salvation and the church and the gospel? And the conclusion is no. 
No, it is a work of the flesh. It's a work of Judaism. Circumcision does not make you more spiritual, and it certainly doesn't save you. You go on over a few chapters more, and you see the Apostle Paul. We're going to find out about this when we get to heaven. We were talking about this in our leadership class the other night. We see the Apostle Paul who says to young Timothy, Timothy, I want you to be circumcised. His mother was a Jew. I want you to be circumcised because in this evangelistic endeavor, we don't want there to be any barriers in your witness with them because you haven't been circumcised. And I'm going to be honest with you today, I don't understand all of that. I don't fully understand why Paul did that. We'll let the Lord tell us when we get to heaven. But here we are in Galatia, and these Judaizers are saying, oh, yeah, yeah, Paul's telling people to get circumcised. And Paul is saying here, they are falsely representing me and falsely accusing me. He said, if I were still doing that, look at verse number 11. Brothers, but if I still preach circumcision, why am I being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been removed. The problem here, the friction is not over circumcision. The problem is I am preaching the cross. And the cross is offensive. How many of you have encountered in your family, in your workplace, people treating you differently because you're a Christian? Yeah. You're in the break room and somebody says something and and somebody will look at them, they'll smile or they'll laugh and they'll say, oh, you know, she's a Christian, she's a Christian. What are they really doing? They're, They're really just kind of making fun of you because you're a weak-minded person who's gullible enough to believe in an old rugged cross and the purpose of that cross. Before Jesus even died, he said to his disciples, the world is going to be, they're going to hate you and they're going to be offended by the cross. The cross is an offense. It's a stumbling block. The word there means it's a trap or it's an embarrassment. In verse number 12, Paul uses some of his rudest and crudest and strongest language in any of his writings. He said, those people who unsettle you and act that way and attack you and and teach you the wrong thing, I wish they would emasculate themselves. And I'm not going to get into all the Greek and Hebrew of that. I'll let you figure that out. Here's what he was really saying, though. He was saying, in this region, there were heathen priests who would emasculate themselves as a sign of their commitment to the false gods. Paul was taking these Judaizers, and I want you to get this if you don't get anything else I say today, Christian. He's taking these Judaizers who were okay with people talking about Jesus, following Jesus. Hey, that's that's fine, that's fine, but you still got to do this. They're adding to the gospel. Paul says, we're going to take those Judaizers and and, and I want to stick them right over here with those heathen priests. Because anybody who does not preach the true gospel of Jesus is condemned. Have you read Matthew? How many of you read the gospel of Matthew? What does it say? That one day we're going to stand before the Lord and there are going to be some who are going to say this to Jesus. Man, hey, You didn't hear my sermon in Galatians? 
you obviously didn't know or keep up with how many hospital visits I made. I mean, I did a lot of great things in the community. I had a really, when people, when people heard my name, they knew who I was. And the scripture says Jesus is going to look at some, and I don't want to be in this some. He's going to look at some, and he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. And why is that going to happen? It's going to be because they did not stay with grace. They did not believe and receive the gospel, and they were preaching messages but they weren't preaching the gospel. May we always stay with grace. May we always preach the gospel. And let's not take this freedom that we have for granted because we're all candidates for getting ourselves in a mess and getting ourselves into bondage. Let me finish. What do we do with this freedom? What do we do with this freedom? Man, I'm saved now. I'm I'm born again. I can do anything I want to do. No, 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 no. We've got some of that going on in the church. We've actually got some churches preaching that now there's no such thing as sin. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We are still accountable to a holy and a righteous God. Look at verse 13. I'm going to finish. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. But through love, serve one another. You know what freedom leads us to? Freedom doesn't lead us to just take the, take the restraints off and just say, man, I can live any way I want to live. I mean, we've got people in the church today that... Somebody sent me an article this week. I don't. Somebody in this church sent me an article this week, and it was in one of these Christian magazines. And it was about this man and this woman that worked at a Walmart somewhere, and they're both married, and they both had families, but they're working in Walmart, and they were working on a problem, and through working on that problem, God revealed to them that they were supposed to be married, and they were supposed to leave their spouses and their family, and God brought them together because he had a great work for them to do. I call that adultery. I call that, we're going to get into this next week. Come back next week, okay? The Bible calls that sexual immorality and adultery. It's not a fairy tale story. No, you're living in sin and you're making a mockery of the grace of God. Freedom doesn't mean that you get to do what you want to do. No. Freedom means that you're liberated to serve the master, to serve the Lord, and then to serve one another. You give your life away for others. He says the summary, verse 14, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Freedom, freedom, freedom in my life turns me loose to serve the Lord and to serve others. Grace brings freedom. I want you to stand, and I want you to look on the screen for just a moment. Let me give you one summary quote, and I'm done. (laughs) Look on the screen. Todd Wilson said, we preserve our freedom in Christ 
when what is essential to God is essential to us. And everything else is kept in its place. Do you get that quote up against what Paul is saying here in chapter 5? What matters to God should matter to us. And we need to keep the gospel in its place. And all God's people said, would you bow your head with me?